Welcome everyone to the Inspirational Businesswoman Show. This is Virginia Parsons, your hangout mentor and the host. And today we will be uh, having a broadcast about how to build a powerful social media brand featuring Stacy Blanchet. So hold on, we'll be with you in just a moment. Hang on for the preview. Welcome again, everyone. Again, this is Virginia Parsons, and I'm so pleased to have you here today because I know your time is valuable, and we appreciate that you take the time to come here and get inspired with some incredible information from some amazing women who I love having on the show. You know, my, my purpose and my passion is to provide you, the entrepreneur, with a gold mine of inspirational tips to help you brand grow and market your business. So thank you for being here today. Please let us know where you're hanging out from, what your name is. We'd love to hear from you. I know you're there, so just go ahead and type in the comment section and let us know where you're hanging out from. We'd appreciate that. Now, today's show is sponsored by Hangout-Marketing.com, where you can receive a complimentary Hangout and live stream marketing assessment. Now this assessment is brand new. It takes into account all these new platforms that are out there for you. And it will help you learn where your strengths and your weaknesses are. And so all you have to do is just go to, uh, or actually text the word success to 775-800-4179. That's 775-800-4179. If you're out of the country, you can go to hangout-marketing.com. The assessment will only take you a few minutes and you might even qualify for a complimentary shine strategy session with me where we're going to really sit down and look at your business and talk about the different ways you can use live stream in your business to brand grow and market it so take advantage of that today's uh show is sponsored as i said and we're going to go ahead and introduce our guest who is stacy blanchet now stacy is going to be talking about how to build a powerful social media brand, as we said. 
And I think this is an area that a lot of people are interested in. And so I thought you'd find it of value today. Stacy is the CEO of Your Own Girl Friday. And I'll let her tell you how that uh, came to be and how she's now using it to help other businesses, all different types of businesses, become successful. She is a marketing and PR maven. And she'll tell you how she uses that as well to help her clients. So we're going to be talking today about three topics. What is your entrepreneurial type? and how it relates to your specific brand. Then secondly, we're gonna discuss social media strategies to help you build a powerful brand online. And finally, why your net worth is only as good as your net worth. So go ahead, Stacy. and I think you already unmuted, so come on in and say hi to everyone for us, will you? Hello, how are you? Thank you for having me, I really appreciate that. We love having you, Stacy, and I know you're just a wealth of information for people, and we definitely want to get as much information out there for everyone as possible today. And also, you know, you that are here live, you have the best opportunity to really take advantage of this time with Stacy. So not only let us know where you're hanging out from, we love it that you're taking the time, but put some questions or comments in there to what Stacy is going to be sharing with us. And that gives you the greatest value because you have the opportunity to be here live and really talk to her about these topics. So Stacy, with every guest, I really like to start with your background. And I know yours is really extensive, but your background as it relates to what we'll be talking about today and, and how you have taken that experience to really help businesses grow, thrive, and brand effectively. So go ahead and share that to start with. Well, my background actually started out in fashion. I graduated from college uh, at FIT for fashion. I didn't do anything in fashion after I graduated. My parents wanted me to go and get an actual, um, I don't know what, what you want to call it, an actual real business degree. So I really uh, concentrated the next four years, got that. My first job out of college, I was working for a company here in San Diego called Roar Industries, and I was in the apprentice program for finance, and I was basically the go-between engineering and the floor on how to build airplane parts and making sure that every single screw, nut, and bolt had a number, was put in the system so that everybody got billed correctly, and I worked on government contracts. So I did that until I was about 28, and I decided that that wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to do fashion, but I also wanted to travel. So I quit my job on my 28th birthday. The next day, I hopped the plane, and I ended up traveling around the world for about three and a half years. Um, I came back at certain points, and I worked for the temp agencies. What I did the temp agencies was just you know pure administrative work just to put money back into my bank account, and then I would take off and go on another trip. And so I did that for about four years until I could figure out what I wanted to do. And then I was very lucky that I was able to, uh, over the next 10 years, work in um, construction. I worked for a construction company doing all the sign permitting, um, working on mass community building for communities here in San Diego. I did that for about two years. And then I went with estate planning and worked for an attorney, a sole practitioner, for about three years doing estates. So I got a chance to learn how to manage the money, the taxes, that type of stuff. And then I ended up going and working for a dental consulting company 
for about a year and a half. And I was in charge of the entire United States to make sure that our sales force had all the information for um, the dentist before we went in. One of the small tidbits of information that I can give you is that the reason the most dentists do not make it is because they're usually being embezzled. And that happened. That's yeah. Amazing. That's 90% uh, of all the clients that we dealt with, they were being embezzled. And you find that out within a matter of, oh, I don't know, maybe five minutes. You can look at the accounts receivable. There are certain ways that dental practices have to be set up. Your hygienist should be making about 80% of your profits. I mean, I mean, it's all kinds of stuff that I learned there. But I also learned working with the president of that company how to run a successful company and seeing how you hold your employees accountable for what they say they can do. We used to have meetings every Monday morning, and this was way back in 1998. So this is way before social media and all that type of stuff was even really getting going. And she'd have the marketing department there, so I was there. She would have our IT guy, and she would flip around her computer, and she would say to the IT guy, why am I number six on Google on the uh, Internet search? And he would say the same thing every Monday because you're not paying to be any higher. And so she said, well, how about I fire you, pay the money to the Internet, and just get myself up there? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, mean, it was, no, I mean, it was brutal, but it was kind of. You know, it was very refreshing because then you got a chance to see sort of how things work. She made everybody accountable for what you were doing. Um, I learned corporations. I learned how to handle sales forces. And then from there, I started my own company, which is Your Own Girl Friday. And that's where we come to the present day 10 years later. Wow. So Your Own Girl Friday is sort of wrapped around the fact that you've had such an expansive uh, work experience and yeah. you bring this into your clients saying you know you you really can handle most any situation can't you well you know one of the great you know this is again um, marketing advice when I started your own girl Friday at the time I did it was a concierge service nobody had a company like that in San Diego there might have been two but they didn't do any advertising I figured out how much I wanted to charge who my clientele was going to be and then I figured out how to get information out to the masses. So I started print advertising back in those days for my company. And I just basically let it go for seven, eight years now. I think I've been print advertising. So my name, everybody knows it. They you know, call the Girl Friday girl, call Stacy. And what it really originally started out was I was supposed to organize people as they moved into their new homes. But that didn't take off. Because everybody called me about everything else. They needed help with organization. They needed help with doing their newsletters. They needed help with learning how to do law stuff. They needed help with project management. It's, so it sort of morphed. The business took me where the clientele was making me go, so to speak. Well, and that by itself is a great message I think to every entrepreneur out there because we often do think we got the blinders on we think we know what we're doing and suddenly something comes along and brings you a twist and I'm going to use my own background as an example uh, Stacy doesn't even know this has spent 25 years as a hypnotherapist life coach and was working in the brick and mortar area and um, some of you don't know it either and 
So here I am now for the past five years doing online marketing and using live stream as the, the major area that I focus in. And it all came from a demand for people who wanted to start working with me who couldn't make it to my brick and mortar office. Yeah. So we, we started things with the phone and as soon as live broadcasting came along, I thought, oh my gosh, this is the greatest way I've found to really connect with people at a distance and be effective in the work I do. And then all I heard was, I want you to teach me, teach me how to do that. I want to get good at that. So the, the career's totally transformed. You never know where you might end up, and it's, it's good to be flexible, right, Stacey? And it's the same for a product sometimes, because I, I've had clients that have a product, and they wanted to go one way, but really the public took them in a different direction. The public saw the product as something completely different than what they wanted to market to. I mean, you really have to sometimes be adaptable to the change that can possibly come. And in this day and age, everything is moving so fast that it is impossible to have one a product actually stay the same for 20 or 30 years. I mean, unless you're Tide. You know, Tide laundry detergent has been Tide laundry detergent. It's going to be Tide laundry detergent 20 years from now. But, I mean, even Tide is having to readapt, you know, where they can make it hyperallergenic or they're going to make it with less chemicals or they're going to make it with scents or they're going to make it... You know, so the market is sort of driving a lot of what you see in the consumers, as well as services. Um, you know, mine could be, in terms of uh, parts of your own Girl Friday, where I'm helping people with organization, or I'm, I've had cancer patients that are my clients, where I drive them to and from their cancer, and I sit with them while they're going through chemo. That's a very localized business. That's not something I can do on a national level. But PR and marketing, why I had to separate it was because people were contacting me, seeing how I was doing Your Own Girl Friday, how I was able to grow that, how I was able to go the fashion designing and the producing of the documentaries and writing and magazines and all that type of stuff. You know, teach me. Teach me how to do it. And so I, I would have never wanted to go into PR and marketing. Uh, I would have liked to have stayed in my little local business that I had, but because I play on a global stage with the magazine, then it's easy for me to do PR marketing and add that too. So the, the, the clientele is dictated what, I, what services I was going to be offering. Yeah, I think that's really important to emphasize because, I mean, you also spent some time in fashion design, as you alluded to, um, and you, you had a very successful fashion line, correct? Well, um, actually... Not correct in the sense that I never had a fashion line. What happened was I kind of went backwards and created the buzz around my name and some editorials that I had shot to where boutiques from around the world were contacting me wanting my clothing in their, in their stores, but I didn't actually have a line to sell them. Oh, so, so you went about it with the PR and marketing first. <laughs> PR and marketing, you know, Sears contacted me, Kohl's contacted me, Bloomingdale's contacted me, and, and it, you know, just to give an example, just in case anybody's out there that wants to get into fashion design and on how it works, I had two dresses that were these panel dresses that were very popular. People loved them. They were in editorials all over the world, and they were half jersey and half leather not real leather a couple of dresses I use real leather Kohl's contacted me they wanted 500 of each of those dresses and so they said we'll pay you $75 per dress 
But because I was already ahead of the game, I had already gone to manufacturers to find out how much it would cost to make those dresses. Just to make them was $120. That wasn't even taking into consideration the fabrics. So in order to do that in the U.S., it would cost me close to $130, $140, but Kohl's was only willing to pay $75. So I can do the 500 dresses, but I'm going to lose a ton of money. So then you're yeah, that, That's not successful, is it? <laughs> Well, you know, unfortunately, they buy them at wholesale, and so they'll buy them for seventy-five, turn around, sell them for one hundred and fifty. But Kohl's is it has a very specific niche in their market, so they know what their clients are going to pay for. And you know, you learn all the tricks of the trades in retail. You know, I, when I walk into a retail store, one of the things you look for is in a rack. Let's say they've got 15 t-shirts in this rack and you've got lots of uh, reds and greens and yellows, but you don't have any other color. Well, that's a bad sign because that means red, green, and yellow is not selling, but all the other colors are. So the manufacturer will know not to do any more red, greens, or yellows. Only do it in that particular. I mean, you learn, you learn how retail works, the vendor rules, and so I had to make a decision very quickly on whether or not I wanted to spend another 250000 and create an actual line and devote 100% of my time in retail. And that wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be 100% invested in retail. So I put that on hold. It's still on hold. I have those networks. They're not going anywhere. I still con they still contact me to this day. When's your line coming out? When's your line coming out? I mean, I get pushed all the time to go back into it but I'm just I'm not there my heart's not in it well let's get into some of it that is part of your heart at this point because you had talked about entrepreneurial types and I think it'd be valuable to people to understand that there are different entrepreneurial types and um, how that's going to relate to their brand so go ahead and share with everyone about that well I think that um, you know there's tons of studies that you can find out there now about what makes successful entrepreneurs. I mean, you've got to be very disciplined. You've got to be, um, you have to have time management. You need to know how to effectively find your target audience. You need to know how to turn reaching out to them into actual revenue. You need to know business 101 on how to get your product developed if you have a product or if you have a service. And in my case, um, in terms of me being very time management, it's because I've always had somebody that I've had to help hold my time accountable to. So that doesn't change if you start early on. It's very difficult, I think, in my opinion. I mean, that's just it's just my opinion. If you are somebody who works from home, you never had time management, and you don't have any discipline. Tomorrow is just another day. But if you're somebody who has time management and you have a lot of discipline, tomorrow is not just another day. Tomorrow, The day, if you wait until tomorrow, you've wasted a day. So you look at things very differently um, as opposed to somebody who, who knows how to get from A to B in the fastest, quickest way. So I tell people that if you want to be self-employed and be an entrepreneur, it's 10 times harder than working for somebody. So if you think working for somebody is difficult, you're never going to make it as an entrepreneur. And also, what's really important to me in working in Hollywood is that a lot of people, their dreams are their job. And so they're struggling trying to make a living at their dreams. 
And most people don't get that. I'm not just, I'm not telling anybody not to go for their dreams. I'm just saying be practical. Have a steady source of income while you're pursuing your dreams. So you need to sit down with a piece of paper, figure out how much money you need to make every month. And add and double that because your dreams are going to take a lot of money away from you until you're up and running. So double what it is that you think you need to make. You always need to account for balance. So you need to put into consideration whether or not you want to go on vacations, whether or not you want to buy clothes, whether or not you want to go out to dinner with your friends, or if you want to go to the movies. So you need to have entertainment also put in there. But, you know, you need to be realistic about what it's going to cost to make and fund your dreams so if you're somebody who has a magazine so to speak if you don't have a million dollars your magazine's not going anywhere you need to be able to come up with a team a marketing plan a business planning to be a multimedia but if you've got i've had a, i had a gentleman who contacted me he, he invented a back scrubber and he wanted to sell it to somebody who was an inventor that can actually develop the product and then put it on the market and he would collect royalties. That's actually a very brilliant way to do it if you don't have the money to develop it, make a startup company and keep going because then you've got to go get investors. So um, one of the tricks that a lot of people don't know in terms of being a fashion designer, if you're looking for investors, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to take your name. So you lose your name the minute you invest or you have somebody invest in you if you're a fashion designer because if you don't work out they need to put somebody else in there so the well, you know that's interesting that you say that i've also heard be careful about using your own name in your in your market and your brand uh, if you think you might one day want to sell it have it, you thought about that you can use your name but it's if you, what you want to stay away from is actually using your face and you as a person of your brand because if you are the face of your brand and everybody identifies with you over the brand, then you're not going to be able to sell the brand. No one's going to be interested in buying it because they have to buy you along with it. So, I you got it. so it's really not necessarily the, your name, although that can be part of it, but it's your face. If you're associating your face with your brand. Well, for so example, is, is there an advantage to that or disadvantage to having your, face come along with the brand well there there can be unless you're an actual product so if you're like you'll never see an editor of a magazine be the face of that magazine for a reason so editors come and go magazines you know for example Anna Winter of course evoke everybody knows who she is she doesn't grant interviews she's out in the public but she again she doesn't grant interviews she's just there as part of Vogue you know, if you are a magazine editor and everybody knows you and not the magazine's name, then you're in trouble because they don't know the brand. And they right. Don't, so and let's let's pull this in to wrap it around the social media topic. And how do you suggest someone start branding their business without necessarily making it around them or their image? Excuse me. If you are a life coach, you are your brand. So you need to figure out whether or not you've got an actual product or if you are selling a service. If you are selling a service, then it is all about you. And that's not anything you're going to be able to sell 10 years or 15 years down the road. 
So you have to take people on a journey. What I tell people is set your boundaries very, very early. Business and personal should never be mixing when selling a brand. So if you're going to be on social media, you need to have a personal social media account and you need to have a business social media account. So you'll have a Facebook you know, business page, have your personal page. Direct business to the, the Facebook business page or even Instagram should be a business Instagram. So that people are constantly identifying the name of the brand. That's number one is setting your boundaries. A lot of people would like to mix the two because they want to have more people, more likes, more, you know, whatever. But again, that's your friends. So this is where it ties into where your network is only as good as your network is net worth is only as good as your network. Then you're going to have to wait years. So either you have an SEO company or somebody who's behind the scenes that's driving the online marketing to your website or to your social medias it's going to take years for it to grow that's number one so if you don't have a budget for that you almost probably don't have much of a business so you should never be going into business unless you actually have some some sort of a marketing budget that's number one marketing is everything without it they don't know you're there you can start slowly by going into the groups but even then you know it doesn't take off yeah, I, I think that that's gotten particularly true in the last year or two with um, if you have a Facebook page for your brand because the page views aren't there anymore. So the, really the only way you're going to drive traffic to it is with some kind of a marketing budget. Well, and also too, where you, you know, I always tell, you know, people get really hung up on the likes and how many people like your page. But what people don't realize, there's a lot of people who don't like pages, but they do watch pages. So, for example, in terms of my Blanche Designs Facebook business page, you know, maybe has 300 people that like it. But I get offers from boutiques. I get offers from the Emmys, the Oscars, and the Grammys off of that page. So the people don't like my page because most people don't want you to see who they are. The, the, what I call the people that are actually making business deals don't really want you to see who they are. But they watch it. So when someone goes to my page, all they're going to see is the radio shows that I'm on, the editorials that I shoot, information about Blanche Designs, period. And that's the same with everything. So when you go to my, when you go to a website, in order to be first on the website, people have to know to look for you to begin with. How do they know to look for you on your website? So it's the same thing in terms of generating. Um, people wanting to find out about you. And the only way to actually turn that into revenue is it's got to be new people. So when you're, when I go to advertisers in terms of working with uh, Trent Privé magazine, we go to advertisers, they don't care about our social media at all. All they care about are the sales of the magazine. How many people are actually putting money down that are buying your magazine and what are the demographics? So unless we can produce that, we get no advertising. They know now the tricks of social media where you can buy likes, you can buy the amount of people that are going to be on your page. All PR marketing knows it. They know how to spot the fake pages. They know how to, you know, if someone's got 300,000 people that like their page and only two people like something on the page, then they know that's a fake, then they know that's a fake page. Those, those are not real numbers. So 
I mean, I even know designers in Paris, and I mean, this is Paris of uh, the coup de gras of all designers that are not even caring about celebrities anymore. I mean, when did that happen? Um, where they don't want celebrities at their fashion show. They need the buyers. They need Bloomingdale's. They need the people that are writing the checks. They need the actual customers. So they're saving now the seats at their fashion shows for the actual customers of the brand. And that's a new shift. I was going to say, how unique is that? Doesn't that make sense? Why it, that didn't happen a lot longer ago? I don't know. <laughs> it does. Yeah, that's a great point. I got. I was just. I just had a conference call with somebody uh, that saw me on LinkedIn, and he's a designer, and he wants to come to Hollywood, and he wants me to help him get into Hollywood. And I said, "Well, what do you want? You want celebrities wearing your clothes? Easy, done, check. What do you want after that?" And so, you know, you need to have more of a plan than just getting a celebrity to wear your purse, because even they're not generating revenue. And I mean, there's all kinds of studies now on. People are having to come out and, and go outside of the box in terms of how to get people. And one of the reasons that I was able to get so many people to go to my website is because I started writing. I started doing interviews because I had access to all of these wonderful people to do interviews with. And I knew that they were experts in their fields. And having the interviews being published in other magazines drove traffic to me. I mean, it's just, it's just thinking outside the box. It's just trying to come up with new strategies. And it's very difficult for me to sit down with somebody and say, okay, well, you should do this without me looking at what they've already done. I mean, have you tried to have, uh, if you're a store in your community, are you supporting your community? Are you finding out ways to get people to want to say your name? Or um, I won't buy a product anymore unless I know that it's giving back to the community somehow or some charity. Cause marketing, very effective. I go to the grocery stores now, and you see where you can buy bags for people for the homeless. It's just $5. I add it to my grocery bill. Making it simple and making people feel like they're giving back is a very effective tool for, mar for marketing as well. So I'm thinking here about the difference between someone who's got a brick and mortar or a product business, as you had talked about, and a service business and the difference in the branding that you're going to do um you also talk about that there's certain there's certain companies or businesses that aren't even interested in being on social media and why is that what because it seems like everyone feels like they need to be on social media today well for example i have a law firm that i represent as a divorce they are divorce attorneys um it is very important that their name not be out on social media just for security reasons People get crazy when they get their divorces. You know, they, they don't want their name out. They don't want their address out. They don't want their home phone number out. And what they don't want getting out is any negative publicity on the firm's name because those firms last 20, 30, 40 years. A lot of it's referral based. So they really don't need social media unless they're working on an international base. And even those attorneys, they're belonging to clubs that refer clients in those clubs to attorneys that are in those clubs. So what I stated, what I approached the attorney's office with was, you know, we know that you guys charge this amount of money to get a divorce with you. We know you specialize in finance. Who's your clientele here in San Diego? Where do they live? What magazines do they read? Most people 
don't have millions of dollars at the age of 28, 29, 30. That usually comes a little bit later in life. Now you have your entrepreneurs that of course have made money in their 30s that will go through divorce. But 90% is going to be older. Older generation is not on social media and they're definitely not shopping for divorce attorneys on social media. They're reading print magazines that are delivered directly to their mailboxes so they don't and, and for free. So I'm going with that route. Then I'm going to put my divorce attorneys as experts on the radio. So people can call in and ask them questions that they can get somewhat legal advice within the, you know, within the law that they can give over a radio. That gives them credibility and they reach hundreds of thousands of more homes than they normally would reach outside of a referral base. So my, my, my plan is that, and then to top it off on that, they wanted to give back to the community and they're very much into animals. So we devised a fee, came up with a very high amount of number that they want to give away. Attorneys have a lot of money usually to give away. And we decided that we're going to do a holiday drive to get to clean out all of the animal shelters here in San Diego. That's going to give them a ton of press because they're doing that and it, and they want to do it. It's not like it's a stage thing where they don't care. They care. This is where they want their mind to go. We're going to work with the Humane Society, which happens to be a national organization. And the Humane Society is going to work with me on getting the press out. So we're going to have TV coverage. Plus they're hopefully going to achieve their goal and they want more companies to come in and do the same thing in different cities. So we have a broader reason to want to do something like this. They're giving back. They're hopefully getting corporations to go further. That's a good social media outreach, but it's really strictly traditional, which is print and media. In terms of um, designers, they require social media big time. So you have to devise a campaign. You have to do editorials that magazines will want to pick up, which have to be very artistic. Um, and you have to target the magazines that reach, reach your demographic. If you are a custom designer, that is not going to work. Custom designers can't sell clothes fast enough for people to want to order them so you're not going in a magazine. You need to have a store attached to it, a place where people can go, or somehow or another they can get your clothes very quickly within two to three days. So hopefully you, know, you can design your social media around that as well so they can click on a picture in Instagram and it takes them directly to your ordering page and they order. So make it so that it's not five clicks away. Make it so that it's only one or two clicks away and they've got a dress or they've got a, a shirt. Make it easy on the consumers. Yeah, you're, what you're making, the I think the most important point here is that it's going to depend on the type of business that you're in, which goes back to what type of entrepreneur you are. How you're going to show up in social media, where you're going to show up in social media. Do you have any tips for our viewers on um, the type of businesses that do best on something like Facebook and those who do better on something like Instagram and those that have no business on either of them sort of thing. Actually, you know, it's a very hit and a miss. And, I, and the reason I say that, I can give, when we do our magazine, we are an eco-friendly magazine, which is Trend Bay Magazine. All of our products are animal, are animal cruelty products. We offer... Some of the products are high-end. Those products may not do well with the eco-friendly group as opposed to our giveaways. 
So if we do giveaways and the product is offering 10 or 15% off for a month, they do very, very well. So I say, if you are a beginning product, not a service, but an actual product, for the first two to three months, offer a discount on new orders. And that way you will spread the word that people will say, you gotta hurry up, you need to get in there, you need to order it before the time is up, and follow it. If you tell people this offer expires January 31st, have it expire January 31st. If you go on and say, okay, well, you know, we can, due to popular demand, we'll keep it going, then that tells people that you're not selling a product. So always stick with the dates. And um, I, I say stay off of any platforms that show the public how many of your products you've actually sold. Um, I think in terms of, I think you can go to something like SD, and SD will tell people how many of those products have sold. Um, I'm not saying stay off of SD. Some people do very, very well on SD. But I like, to, I say keep your numbers private, except for with advertisers. So you want to make sure that only people that are seeing your numbers are, are the advertisers and not the public. So get rid of the money, you know, the, the counts, unless they're high counts. I mean, if you're selling 100,000 products or something in a month, you want that blasted out. But if you're only selling five, don't put it out there. Yeah, that's logical. <laughs> Definitely, you, you've got uh, Jane here, I wanna say hi, Jane, Cindy, we've got lots of other viewers, but they're being very quiet. So if you have questions, now's the time to raise them for Stacy. but I just wanted you to know that Jane says, very interesting, she's loving hearing about the magazine itself because her audience is offline. So that was a good example for her, and so, let, let's move on to this net worth versus net work. Well, I, because you said really, I think, I think it's important that people understand that you've got to have a good network well, to start with. I always tell people is that look around. If you're, work, if you're working with people that all have no money, then you probably have no money either. So, um, if you are working with people that are starting out their businesses, and that happens with everybody because you've got to start somewhere. You always want to make sure you're progressing. You want to make sure that the business is progressing. You want to make sure that you are growing your business. So it shouldn't, I, one, of the, one of the things that I did with Blanche Design was I never marketed to my friends. I started it organically. And here I am four years later with only 300 people on the page. So that should tell you how long it takes to go organically. And being, I've been featured in 45 magazines worldwide with my designs over a one-year period. I've shot in Paris. I've shot in Dubai. Um, I've been in magazines as a writer. So that's how slow it goes when you're growing it organically. Also, too, people have to want to be on your page. There has to be something interesting for them to want to be on your page. I mean, just to be on your page doesn't make any sense if there's nothing really interesting going on your page. Um, but, you know, then again, when you start getting a lot of people on your page, then you start opening up for people to start writing stuff that you may not like. So, I mean, it, 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 you know, social media is, it can be a hit and a miss. Your network really is the people that you surround yourself with and the people that are on your social media. If you have a network of 40,000 people and you're trying to sell a product and your product's not selling, then your 40,000 network 
is not the right network. And so you learn that you've got to figure out how to reach the people that will be interested in your product. That should be your network if you're trying to sell the product. Reaching out, you know, being a, I know there's a lot of groups, like let's say you want to be on radio shows. You can join a lot of these groups that have people that do radio shows. But if you don't have the people that actually have radio shows in that group, then you're just really marketing to the same people trying to get on to the same shows. It's the same for life coaches. If you're in life coaching groups, you're not really reaching the people that you want to reach. Um, so you need to figure out who your marketing is and join those groups to market your services, figure out what you want to do. And that's how you grow your network to grow your net worth. Does that make sense? Yes, that's perfectly put. And so how, how much do you uh, use or recommend LinkedIn to your clients? I'm sorry. Please, how please. much do you recommend LinkedIn to your clients? You know what? Um, I, I see LinkedIn as a hit and a miss, um, and it depends on what you're doing. I, there's a lot of complaints that LinkedIn is just sort of turned into Facebook. Um, I, I don't know the difference. To me, all platforms are good if you use them the correct way. So if you're using them for what they should be used for, then you're going to get what you need out of them. But if you start trying to deviate and use them for something different, then people tune you out. So a lot of people go on LinkedIn because they're hoping to connect with other professionals like themselves. I don't know if anyone has ever gotten a job off of LinkedIn, but that's just me. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. There's millions of people. And I'm sure there's people that have gotten jobs off of LinkedIn. I've gotten contacts. I've gotten clients off of LinkedIn. So that could be. But I use LinkedIn really basically to show what your own Girl Friday is doing for its clients. So... I don't know if people use LinkedIn to show off an actual product. People might get really turned off on that. I think LinkedIn is more to show off services. Yeah, that's what, that's what I would say from my experience on it as well. So again, you're getting back to the entrepreneurial type that we started with talking about, you know, what is your type? And that will really dictate how you go out there and build a social media presence and whether or not it's going to be something that's on live or online, or as you say, out just through your local network, because uh, you make just such a good example of your page having 300 people following it, and yet you have all of these contacts in this in the fashion design field that really had nothing to do with your social media presence at all. Well, I also choose how you communicate with people. You know, I've never yeah. had a single situation come up in the four years that I've been doing social media where somebody didn't take me seriously. So I've always been very surprised by that. And I've worked with people that I've never even met that are across the ocean. And we've had money-changing hands, and we've done projects together, and we're still talking to this day. So it really just depends on how you communicate, how you use your own networks, and really whether you can back up what you say you can do. So I've never encountered anyone who... Um, was not true to what they said in all my projects with people. And a lot of it is my preparation before I go in, too. So if you are a PR person and somebody, and let's say you wanted to hire me to do your PR, I would recommend that you go on my website. I would recommend that you go on my, my social media pages and actually see what I'm doing for my clients. 
Because a reputable PR person is going to tell you, number one, who their clients are. And because they want you to know, they want you to contact them regarding their clients. So to tell you not, not to tell you who their clients are makes no sense to me. And number two, a reputable PR person will have the newspapers, the interviews, the if they're on TV, how their product is being marketed, how you can find their product, because that's PR. So, you know, you may not see that on the website because the website that might take up too much room on the website, but you should most definitely see it on their Facebook pages or their Instagram pages on how they're marketing. So you can actually see what these people are capable of doing. And then you get a chance to see the PR person's networks. Yeah, that, that's perfect. That's a perfect example of doing it that way. So I think it's time uh, to wrap this all up and let everyone know how they can contact you, where, they, where it's best for them to contact you. And um, if they have any questions, if you don't have any actual questions out here, but they can always contact you, I'm sure, and get information as well. So what's the best place for them to go? Well, they can always go to my website, which is yourowngirlfriday.com. Uh, my email is yourowngirlfriday at yahoo.com. If they want to read more about me in terms of the fashion, the magazines, and the movies, they can go to my personal website, which is stacyblanchet.com. Okay, wonderful. Stacy Blanchet, that's B L A N C H E T dot com. Stacy S T A C E Y. So to make sure we got the spelling right. Stacy, thank you. This is uh this has been really interesting and I think a whole new perspective that we really haven't considered before. Um, and again, based on whether or not you're a service business or a product business, what makes the most sense as far as attracting your network? and um, growing your business and branding yourself online, whether or not it's on Facebook or any of the other uh, platforms, and what makes sense for you. So I really appreciate your sharing that. Any final thoughts before we say goodbye? Uh, no, no final thoughts. Happy holidays, everybody. Yes, thank you so much, everyone. Um, have a terrific holiday. We'll see you back after the first of the year. So this is Virginia Parsons saying goodbye for now. Have a wonderful holiday season. And see you very soon. Thank you again, Stacy. Thank you. Bye bye now. Bye bye.